she um, asked my uncle to get her some some marijuana, right? And uh, I watched as she smoked a joint, and her face lit up. Oh, my grandmother was a um, hospice nurse. She got to got to watch what what the opiates did to people, and um, you know, her face lit up. She was laughing. She was telling stories, um, you know, with the family members, and I, I got to see her, you know, in a much different light than I had seen her previous to that. And it really opened up my mind. Welcome to Oregon Rooted. I'm Higher Peaks. And this is Lady Sativa. You're listening to The Dirt Show. Where we bring you Oregon's cannabis culture. sitting here with Trista Okel from Empower Body Care, an almost seven-year-old company with a mission to provide safe, high-quality, and effective topical products that empower their customers to reduce their discomfort and lead more fulfilling lives. Thanks for joining us, Trista. We really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me. Good to be here. Now, I don't think a lot of people know this, but Empower actually is an acronym. Indeed. So if we, if we take a step back to 2003, Mm-hmm. Uh, I was arrested for having three small plants, three overgrown clones, essentially. Um, for perspective, uh, for the cannabis community, um, these these plants were literally uh, sitting next to a four four foot shop light um, underneath base, my basement stairs. Um, <laughs> however, yeah, uh, they threw the book at me, and uh, we ended up taking it to trial in two thousand four. And after a two-day trial, I was acquitted in eight and a half minutes uh, by a jury of my peers um, and, uh, you know, did not get, was not a felon. Um, However, just knowing that I came so close, as soon as I was acquitted, I was both elated and also uh, pretty determined. Um, The arrested plant doesn't make any sense, really. And um, so... I, at that time, I started um, getting involved in activism, and there was a group called Americans for Safe Access, um, also Marijuana Policy Project, and I volunteered with both of them, as well as um, a little bit for Drug Policy Alliance. I um, went to D.C. Um, to both lobby with PP and also um, to do a direct action in safe access in order to um, propel the federal government to schedule uh, marijuana at that time. Um, that said, uh, I got arrested on purpose that time. And uh, for incommoding, we blocked the steps to Health and Human Services by sitting down with um, a banner. So we, um, there were many activists there who were demonstrating, um, but there was 14 of us that were willing to get arrested for the cause. And we actually sat down on the steps of Health and Human Services uh, with a banner that had the names of thousands of doctors who had recommended cannabis uh, to their patients and uh, in hopes to gain awareness. That said, um, we ended up going to jail for the day. Um, and to be fair, they didn't even close the jail. I, I like to refer to it as activist jail. It was an old jail that they don't normally use for anything else other than you know, nonviolent <laughs> activists, essentially. Wow. Um, But that said, while sitting in that jail cell, I realized that, um, one, history repeats itself, and um, we can learn from history, and Mm -hmm. two, that time, you know, 2004, um, approval rating for legalizing um, medical cannabis, I believe, among women was in the 30th percentile. So um, in addition to that, uh, we're pushing 50, like 55% approval rating. So we weren't going to get where we needed to get with only 30% of women um, uh, voting to or, or approving it. So that said, while while we were sitting in the jail cell, 
I realized that I needed to do something in order to uh, help women understand and not be fearful of the plant. Um, now, remember, this is a time where women would, would lose their children. CPS would take away kids uh, pretty regularly just for suspected cannabis use at that time. Um, so, you know, their fears were definitely not unfounded, but we needed to figure out a way to get them to actually speak out. So I thought that I might start, start a nonprofit one day, and I came up with an acronym with the help of some of the lovely ladies in the, in the jail cell. Um, and the acronym is End Marijuana Prohibition, Organize Women, and Act Reform. So if I could do that, then we could definitely uh, get cannabis federally legalized. That said, I realized very shortly thereafter that nonprofit was not in my uh, wheelhouse. And actually, if I could um, make products that would appeal to women um, in a non-toxic, uh, non-intoxicating, um, but effective way, that I would definitely be able to help more people and bring more women into the fold as far as um, their approval of cannabis. Um, now at that same time, my mom, uh, slipped and fell and, um, broke her back in, in two spots and subsequently had, uh, two failed back surgeries. In addition to that, she was diagnosed with three forms of arthritis and was dealing with a lot of chronic pain issues. And I really wanted to keep her off of, um, harmful pharmaceuticals uh, for as long, especially opiates and such for as long as possible in life, uh, making topical products. Um, in my kitchen. And I actually, even from the very first um, iteration of what later became um, Empower Topical Relief Oil, um, even from that very first iteration, I was able to help mom go from an eight to a three on the pain, on a one to 10 pain scale. Very so, nice. Yeah, that, that was quite encouraging and did really help me in changing hearts and minds. You know, like, when someone uses a product and it works, um, I, I, I believe that, you know, it's a domino effect and, and definitely helps to change hearts and minds. And so that has been the goal of mine in through Empower the entire time um, that I've been doing this. And I, I actually did work on those formulations, uh, like especially the oil formulation, you know, on and off um, on the side for about eight years until I launched the company in 2013. I mean, this is such an inspiring story because it kind of, it, it embodies the whole, I don't know, almost the American spirit where you're kind of starting from, from these grassroots, uh, ideals and then, you know, uh, stepping up into the arena of, uh, trying to change laws and bring it to the forefront and then being a successful business owner with it, um, I just think it's a great story. To sum it up, you know, starting in 2003, you had a little bit of issue with growing. It sounds like that you were yourself using it for medicine, correct? At that point, that was the whole intention. Yeah, and yeah then, that, that is true. Yeah, and then um, on the second time around when you're pushing for, for changes and stuff, you get locked up there. And it sounds like that's kind of where you had your uh, epiphany, if you will, or your, your yeah. idea that has bloomed into the success that it is. Um, you, you had mentioned that you had talked to other people while you were in there. So did other people have kind of, um, added to that inspiration, if you will, in terms of, you said you were helping people with, when you got out and you started actually working on this, you were helping people with essentially kitchen made topicals and such. Yeah. So, you know, yes, I, we were able to, I, we <laughs> Royal, we, I guess I was able to bring mom's pain levels down. Right. Yeah. But that's my mom. Right. right. So I started. I started making it and just giving it out to a lot of uh, medical marijuana patients, a lot of um, elders, friends and family members. And I just kept getting the same, I, I kept hearing the same feedback over and over again. And, and it was incredibly inspiring. That said, uh, for the first, you know, 10 years I made the oil, um, I was literally shocked every time someone told me how well it worked for them. <laughs> Like that never stopped for a long time. <laughs> well, to be clear, at this time you were using an oil or a tincture, whatever it was, that was based with both THC and CBD. Correct. This is more of a broader yes. spectrum type oil at the time. Yes, absolutely. I've I've, I've always done that um, with the uh, with at least the cannabis line. I've always done uh, 
a, a one-to-one THCA uh, CBD with some THC as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it seems like that ratio is, is that it's the key ratio. It seems like, um, with the experience with decent topicals and stuff, it seems like that when you hit that one-to-one, it really helps. I do know that CBD has a good effect on uh, anti-inflammatory issues though. And that you've seen success Um, with that as well. Haven't you? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, our, we have a, what I, we refer to internally as the mainstream line. So, uh, um, topicals that are the same great formulas just with different cannabinoids and then we have what's called the Lux line which is increased um, CBD content in, in the products but also very similar products um, very similar yeah. so um, and we find that both of those products product lines are definitely effective some pain and inflammation um, that said we have gotten excellent feedback and and I, I use the CBD only topicals as well sometimes. Absolutely. So. Well, I've noticed just in my use, you know, I'm getting to be, the, well, I've got arthritis in my family really bad. I'm, I'm getting a little bit of that myself. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it's a little too early for me, but you know, who knows? Uh, I, I do use your stuff though. I, I started on the bath salts and I got to say that that is very good. Um, yeah. Me and my wife tend to buy each other that. You know, it's the same gift. It's hard. <laughs> is it for her? Oh, is awesome. it for me? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> it works both ways. Right. But uh, um, the, the nice thing is I do, I got to say this right now, is that the Empower product line is very high quality. There's, especially now, I don't know if you've had any, like with the CBD products, I know that you have a good quality line, but have you had any negative comments or, you know, the CBD rush has caused some issues. So have you had anything negative come out of that? Um, not really, because most of that, um, most of the negativity I think comes from, uh, people using inferior CBD. Yeah, sure. Right. And we source through Eastport cultivars. So very nice uh, for both lines. Okay. Yeah. So okay. both, both for our, our cannabis line that's in the OLCC market, we source through their cannabis company and we source through their hemp company, which is USDA certified organic. So it's clean as well. Um, although we do uh, third party lab testing on everything, but the bottom line is um, we're sourcing really, really well. And I, I think that that really shows in the product and in the quality of the product. Are people real quick, are people available or able to get um, your THC product line outside of Oregon in terms of other rec states that are available yet? Or is that something you know? No. Okay. So no, Oregon, not this time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we worked with a company in Washington. It didn't work out for a number of different reasons. Sure. 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 Really, really nice people. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I just, we are starting to now hear some companies that have expanded into other rec states and, it seems like people are trying to do it, but I don't know if they're being successful with it or not yet. Yeah, we are in conversations with a couple with companies in a couple of different states to um, license the brand. I imagine your your now the white line is the CBD line. Is that how they called it the the black line and the white line? Yeah, well, um, we refer to it as it is white packaging, but we refer to it as, as mainstream. Mainstream, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, and remember, like, okay, so part of the reason that I started. The, the CBD line was we were getting people who were traveling to Oregon and trying the products and it was still medical back then. So I don't know how this changed, but we were getting people who were like, Oh, I love your products. I want to use them. And I live in, you know, another state. And so I started experimenting with making the CBD only products and found that they were still effective. And, um, that that's why, I mean, I wanted to spread the word, uh, about it. And it also helps with the mission, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, both mission to ease discomfort, but also the mission to, um, uh, reduce the stigma uh, surrounding cannabis. Do you think that overall you've been able to do that with empower, been able to change some minds and, and break down oh, some yeah. walls? Yeah. Oh, I think so. Yes, for sure. I, I get stories. Uh, I, I receive emails and calls from people on a pretty regular basis. And oftentimes what it is, is it's a bud tender who has a parent or a grandparent that is pretty anti, but they have arthritis, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and so um, they'll oftentimes use the CBD products that we make as what I call an ambassador product. Mm-hmm. And so they use that, that product and then it, it begins to open their mind, um, the parents and grandparents, 
begins to open their minds to the idea that cannabis actually can be a non-intoxicating um, way of, of, you know, easing discomfort. Yeah, absolutely. And that happens quite a bit uh, down here in Southern Oregon when we talk to people and people come through the dispensary and stuff. Uh, we get a lot of older generations that have been able to try these types of topicals. And the one that yeah. works real well for my mother actually is your roll-on. Don't you have a little, I think we yeah. got a sample of it, so it's not a big one, but um, I gave it to her and she's been using it on her hands. And it's been really, you know, working really well. So. Uh, oh yeah, but definitely. She, and we've also noticed that it works cumulatively. So um, if you apply a small amount and rub it all the way in uh, and do that, you know, frequently in the beginning, um, you'll find you'll get much better results or longer lasting results. Excellent. Excellent. I'll, I'll make sure. She, I think she pretty much puts it on every night, but, um, but yeah, absolutely. Um, now, do you, th when you were first doing, you, you know, growing cannabis and using cannabis, that was way back. When was the first time you actually experienced cannabis as a medicine? Oh, okay. I mean, as a medicine? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, cause obviously we probably started all out of curiosity or recreation or something, but yeah, I mean, right away, did you know, you... I, I tried it in college for sure. Okay. And then, um, I started using it, uh, medicinally for myself when I was in my late twenties. Yeah, when I was in my late 20s. I guess I'm showing my age now. Um, a couple of years before, maybe three years before um, the arrest mm -hmm. for the growing of the threat. Was it a college thing or was it, um, I mean, were you just curious about maybe medicinal plants at the time? I mean, what led you into it? Um, I mean, in college, it was fun. Yeah, right. right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> until you realize, oh, wow, this actually feels good <laughs> in certain ways. And, and then I realized after that, I was, I was having, um, I hate talking about my own medical stuff, but I was, I was having fibromyalgia and um, some other chronic pain issues and uh, as well as some anxiety, to be frank. Mm -hmm. And I could definitely um, help reduce some of that discomfort. Did any of your upbringing have anything to do with leading into cannabis um, I know actually when I was a child, it was a big part of our family's life or did it just get introduced as a recreational thing? Yeah. So for me, growing up, I was pretty anti-cannabis. Um, oh. I'll be honest. Wow. So in high school, you know, I was a dare kid when I was little. And then, you know, as I, as I grew up, you know, there was the, the class ahead of us, um, in school, uh, there was a group of, of kids that were, you know, snowboarders who smoked a lot of weed and didn't do great in school. And so I, I kind of saw some of the things I wanted to avoid in life. Um, but that said, uh, when I was 17 years old, my, my grandmother, um, we got a phone call that my grandmother was, was dying and it, it was the end, which um, it was very short notice. So, we, she was in California, so we flew to California, and we got three days with her before she passed. Now, that said, I watched her take morphine once um, during that time period, and it, it made her very out of it and very uncomfortable. Uh, today, she didn't want to do that again, so she um, asked my uncle to get her some, some marijuana. Right. And uh, I watched as she smoked a joint and her face lit up. Oh, my grandmother was a um, hospice nurse. Oh, so and now she's in hospice. Right. right? So, time. yeah, the circle. there. So she, she got to got to watch what what the opiates did to people. And, um, you know, her face lit up. She was laughing. She was telling stories, um, you know, with the family members. And I, I got to see her you know, in a much different light than I had seen her previous to that. And it really opened up my mind um, to the idea that cannabis could be therapeutic and it could be a medicine. So that was a pretty pivotal point for me when I was 17. Wow. And that's an impressionable time too, I think. Um, yeah, for sure. And did, she was my favorite grandma to boot. <laughs> right. Now, did you grow up uh, in or out of a particular type of religion? And did that 
maybe um, contribute to that change or maybe before That's 17? so funny. Yeah. So um, my family was not religious. We went to, we, we went to church maybe, um, you know, sometimes around Christmas. That said, um, I got into um, evangelical, uh, basically I became like on my own, I became um, evangelical for a few years in high school. That, that's, that's a whole other story. Sure, sure. No, I, I, I only ask that because it's a lot of times people's upbringing, upbringing is really influenced by either religion or not religion. And then that influences, you know, our adult life and our, you know, these big choices that we make that make, I mean, this is profound. I mean, right. I, w I would imagine that 17 year old that was sitting there with her grandmother probably didn't realize that she would be sitting here now, you know, no. empowering a whole culture. Of people, right? So yeah, I mean, no. that, that's profound. Um, and so yeah, I, think, I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't until college, nonetheless, that you actually stepped into those those realms, right? I mean, you you noticed yeah. it at seventeen, but um, it didn't really happen until till college. Yeah, no, I mean, at seventeen, I, I was accepting at that point, right? Right. I was accepting that it has medicinal purposes. Um, I imagine, but I wasn't using it myself. Right, right. And have you found yourself to be more open-minded now? I mean, in terms of a lot of different things now that you've had oh, experience yeah. with cannabis and, and just well, yeah, I mean, Part of the choices. reason I, I ditched the religion, um, back in the day was because I was gay and, okay. and they weren't like, yeah, when, when I got to hear all the hate talk, um, hate speech about it at the time, um, from that church, I, I knew that was something I couldn't, I couldn't support. Right. So, I grew myself to be a spiritual person, but not a religious person. Sure, sure. Um, and I totally understand that. I, I mean, I imagine that in any kind of um, group of people, cannabis is is just a thing. I mean, it seems like it's important to all types of different people. It doesn't seem like it's like even my listenerships, we talk about them being male and stuff, but um, right. really it's not. Really the, the the cannabis culture scene runs the gamut of all different kinds of people, whether it's old doctors, lawyers, I would imagine even some form of law enforcement if they can get away with it. But uh, <laughs> it seems like it covers everything. Um, have you, yeah. yeah, have you ran into a lot of resistance in terms of business wise? Um, I mean, like obstacles that, that may or may not be obstacles for general business so, owners. <laughs> so re relating to, oh, like relating to the gay thing? Well, that or just even being, you know, a female or a woman in this kind of an environment seems like it can be very difficult. Yeah, back in the day, for sure, there was some resistance. Um, uh, but then again, I mean, at the time, you know, I, I spent 12 years growing. Mm -hmm. So... So I learned, I was able to join in conversations and and surprise some guys, I think, because of my knowledge base and because of my openness in, in, and open-mindedness in um, learning new things as well. So, um, you know, and I can, regarding the gay thing, I can count the number of times that that has seemed to be an issue mm -hmm. on one hand, as far as the gay that, yeah. industry goes. Yeah, I've been, I've been pretty fortunate. Um, but that said, a lot of your um, listenership may not know this. Did you know that uh, basically the, uh, the AIDS crisis in the gay community is what started the medical marijuana movement? And yeah. we're talking way so back that, from the 80s type? I mean, we're talking... Um, like 90s mostly. Okay. I mean, I think it was it was definitely a, an underground 80s thing, but became more it got more into the forefront in, in the 90s. So 96... Um, was the first ballot initiative in, in California, you know, and Dennis Perone was big and he, he actually, I think he was co-founder of one of the first, um, what they called buyers clubs. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, in the Castro in San Francisco. Right. So that, that was literally the birthplace of, of uh, the medical marijuana movement. Um, I mean, which makes absolute sense. I, I, it's, I mean, Right. It, I mean, it's where it was needed for sure, too. I mean, exactly. So one of my favorite characters from that that era and that that movement. Um, and I call her a character because she was an incredible person, but she was also a hell of a character. Um, <laughs> her, her name is uh, 
well, her she's passed away now, but her name is Brownie Mary Rathman. And um, she used to go to all the hospitals and um, give cannabis brownies uh, to um, all, all the men who were, you know, sick in the hospital. Right. And um, she was arrested a ton of times. She was arrested so often um, for what she did. Now, she would also uh, have a booth at a San Francisco Gay Pride. And I had the pleasure of buying a few brownies from her one year. And um, and, and I asked her, uh, what did I ask her? I asked her, uh, like, how many times are you worried about being arrested? That's what it was. Are you worried about being arrested? And she said, honey, I've been arrested so many times. It doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> Is it okay that I swear? I'm sorry. It's no, quoting. it's a podcast. We're good. Um, great. Um, and then she literally said, fuck the police. <laughs> nice. <laughs> now correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't she the original lady that kind of pioneered the pop brownie recipe? I mean, or am I not far enough back? I think maybe that was further back in time. <laughs> um, you said she's the I one. I don't know. That, uh, it was a lady, I believe, that pioneered the actual original pot. The original pot brownie? Yeah, yeah. Or or at least the recipe, that you know, the first pot brownie or whatever. <laughs> I think that's Yeah, I the, wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if it was her. Oh. That makes sense. Sure, sure. I mean, especially if she's delivering to all the, you know, having to make big batches of food. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Did you find it took a, uh, I mean, with your research, with developing these topicals and, and doing it in your kitchen and stuff, did you find it took some serious work? I mean, did you have to really nail down your techniques and stuff? Oh, yeah. From techniques to um, formulations with yeah. the, using the right ingredients um, to make the most effective products that I, I possibly could. Yeah, that, that took a lot um, that was definitely my side gig for a solid eight years. Um, wow. And so, I mean, we're talking, I mean, you're writing, this is like chemistry set here. I mean, you're writing down yeah. formulations, you're writing recipes, you're cooking, you're doing different things and, and you're doing these on human trials. <laughs> exactly. No animal testing here. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, I think you nailed it. Um, what, what kind of things went into that? Was it mostly like you say the ratios? Was it controlling, you know, the temperatures? Yeah. And stuff? So, so the, the actual, the other ingredients actually make a huge difference okay. in the efficacy of, of, uh, cannabis topicals, um, or cannabinoid infused topicals. Um, I recently, I guess it's not that recent, about three years ago, I got a request from someone to make a, um, it, an unscented product right so i i made a cream and you know put put cannabinoids in it and what i found was is that it wasn't anywhere near as effective as um the products that i make with the essential oil combinations the essential oil combinations definitely make a huge difference in the efficacy of the products are you thinking that's because um, of the terpenes yes absolutely because of the terpenes and all of the essential oils that i use Number one, it's important that my products don't smell like cannabis um, because remember, I'm trying to change hearts and minds. Right. Uh, right. And number two, it's important that they're they're uh, highly effective. So I use um, essential oils that have the same terpenes in them, but in combinations, right, as, as cannabis plant. So um, we're definitely getting a lot of that double uh, effectiveness in that way. I mean, so um, we're, we're really talking entourage here. I mean, aside yeah. from people consuming it in all these different ways, whether it's edibles or, or vaping or, or combusting, but literally when we're absorbing through the skin, these still play a vital role of this um, synergistic effect. Yeah, and, and, and if you take, um, I mean, both, all my lines, that is definitely true. Um, however, with the cannabis line, we're, we're using, you know, fully full spectrum, cold processed for the THCA, all nabs that come back. So I'm using, um, you know, a CBD uh, distillate. I'm using um, a cannabis distillate. I'm using that cold, uh, you know, BHO from um, Willamette Valley Alchemy, right? Mm -hmm. So we're using three different forms um, in order to get the right ratio as well. Do you do you have to use other ingredients to like I know that um, with my arthritis before I started using your products, I was getting prescription 
creams and they work a lot of the same way. You know, it takes time. You give it a week or so it starts to build up and it starts to work a lot better. Uh, but those creams have these other ingredients that make them absorb better. Is that something that you try to incorporate too? Yeah, that's part of my proprietary blend of essential oils for sure. Okay. Um, it definitely helps to absorb better. Also, we use organic jojoba oil in our products. And uh, the reason I'm such a fan of jojoba oil is one, because it has some anti-inflammatory properties. Oh, okay. Um, two, it, it's most like our own skin sebum or skin oil, so it absorbs faster and better than any other oil. Um, it also penetrates more deeply. So definitely in choosing um, you know, natural ingredients, um, I, I choose ingredients for their added benefits and efficacy. And every single ingredient that I use has um, some you know, therapeutic properties to it. Absolutely. Now, do you, when you went to scale on your business, so I mean, you know, you're making up these recipes in your kitchen and you're, you're getting these things nailed down and then you got to go to scale. Did you find that to be a challenge or, I mean, did you have people that were able to scale that for you? How does that work? I mean, like farms, you look at a farm and you know, you grow three plants. It's a lot different than growing three acres. And uh, so did you find challenges in that scale? Yeah. Scaling was definitely a challenge at first. Um, You know, just because you're increasing the volume of doesn't mean that you're going to increase every single ingredient in the same amount. Um, it's been a while. That's fun. That's a fun question. Yeah. It, it, at first it was definitely challenging. And, and also, <clears throat> so the scaling went in a, a number of different ways. One, it went from crock pot, right. And right. flour that I was growing myself to, um, right. To using, <laughs> uh, extract, right. Because that's just a more efficient way of, of making products. Um, absolutely. And, you know, we didn't need all the extra labor and, and doing the crock pot style. Plus, um, we actually find that we're able to get more cannabinoids into the product to make it more concentrated, um, through using extracts. Right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Therefore, you know, more effective product. Absolutely. And, and that seems to be the, the way, um, I, I've seen that happen with, uh, several places, but, um, so on the, when you're adding stuff in, do you ever, I mean, on the horizon, what kind of new products do you think you'll be coming up with? Is there anything that you can, um, you know, kind of tease us with, or is there things like maybe yeah. different ratios or are you going to add different terpenes in the future? Is there anything that we can talk about there that might get us interested right. in something, something good on the well, horizon? I am working on a skincare line currently. And, um, we have also, uh, considered doing a balm, um, as okay. well. Okay. So I've been working on those formulations. Balm, uh, are you talking lip balm or, um, like no, a, like a, like a stick, like stick. a stick. Okay. Like, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. And then go ahead. Potentially a lip balm as well. Mm-hmm. I, I'm still, I'm still looking into that. <laughs> do you ever think you go outside of body care? Prop. I mean, do you ever think you might, um, I don't know that there's anything out there for, um, health that you could do besides body care, but, um, is there anything else besides that that you might do? Um, for right now I'm sticking to, I'm, I am sticking to body care. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, potentially, um, after we, so after we know more about what the FDA is going to do with, with CBD, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm doing tinctures or, or capsules or something if it's, if it's kosher, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. With your bath salts, I, I, I hate to throw this curveball, but I think that you would be the um, person to ask about this yeah. B- because we, we honestly, we do really enjoy bath salts that are um, infused with THC and, and CBD um, yeah. and, and yours being one of our favorites. But we also have, we found one where people are making bath bombs now, not everybody, but a select people we found are making bath bombs with the mono and diterpenes found in the roots of the cannabis plant. Uh-huh. And without much research being done, um, I don't know 
you know, what those terpenes are. I know that they are not found in the plant itself. The research I've done shows that those terpenes are not found in the flower of the plant or in the leaves necessarily, only found in the roots. But there's not much research to know how they affect you. But I can tell you this, when we use those style of bath bombs with the extract from the roots, it's very, very impotent, very incredibly impotent, or potent, sorry. Yeah, um, and I was gonna ask you about that, if you know anything about that, because the times I have tried those, again, without knowing what those terpenes are, they have an incredible effect. Is there something that you know about that? Um, I don't, actually, but I'm gonna look into it now. <laughs> I, I encourage um, you to, because there's, sure. some, there's something there. There's something there that works. And like I said, I don't think there's THC that's found in the roots, um, and if there is, it's probably negligible. Um, but there are some terpenes that are found and uh, big effect, big effect. So we kind of balance, yeah. we kind of balance between yours and that one where it's kind of, it depends. But, yeah. but for, so I will never make, I will tell you this, I will never make a, a bath bomb. And the reason is because oftentimes uh, in order to make it fizz, uh, citric acid is involved that, yeah. and that, that can be a fairly, you know, damaging to, to a woman's pH. Right, right. And I, I guess I was using that loosely. Because I shouldn't have said bath bomb because salts actually are pretty common. Oh, no, now. it's all good. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah, Absolutely. Sure. And that's good. That's a good thing to note on the female side that, you know, citric acids obviously could be an issue. And um, there's no reason to have a, a bomb as much as th- those salts are great um, that you have. Right. Yeah. And actually, to be honest, if I don't want to use the full, sur- I can... I can change my serving size with the salts. Um, yes. Whereas with the balm, it's you're kind of just you throw it in and and that's it. But um, yeah, kind of one shot deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do admit, you know, I'm if, if I got it, I'm going to use it. Oh <laughs> Dump yeah, it for all sure. in. I get it. Dump it all in. I get it. If if I stumble out of the bathtub, we know we're going. You know, we're good. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. I'm gonna I'm gonna look into the uh, roots issue though. That. That sounds interesting. Although I can't see that being very sustainable unless um, sustainable as far as the business plan goes. Sure. Um, oh, these in, aren't big unless it's a, a vertically integrated company that can, you know, take the roots from every plant, clean them, ex- extract them. Right. Yeah. I'm, right. Yeah. There's a host of problems, I'm sure. And, and I have not seen anybody as far as business or company wise doing it. This is more of a still in the kitchen type thing. So, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but, um, but interesting. And I just yeah, wanted you, to mention that. Yeah. Use every part. <laughs> well, yeah. So yeah, I often wonder people do get a hard time though, for using whole plant, uh, quote unquote, whole plant. Um, everybody's definition of that is different, but, um, but w- w- with our experience in the dispensary, when we try to sell a product that is quote unquote, a whole plant, people tend to give it a bad time. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't know why I don't, I don't know if they correlate like, like the roots issue. Is it because the roots are in the dirt? I don't know, you know, what framework of thought, you know, makes it seem like if it's not the flower that it's somehow not as good. I don't know. Right. Totally. I think for topicals, that would probably problematic. Um, Mm -hmm. whole plant reason being is not everybody wants to smell like weed all day. That's true. <laughs> and if you're using whole plant, you're going to need to use more um, of the plant in order to, you know, get the concentration levels at what you want them to be for the cannabinoids. So it sounds it, like my guess would be would, they would be more um, odiferous. Well, and it sounds like the way you're talking that the smell is actually a big issue. Like it's a fairly oh, it it definitely is. Yeah, interesting. Um, definitely that I did some market research on that and. Um, is that even true? Is that even true for, um, for, for people that regularly use cannabis? Um, I think for discretion, people who are concerned with discretion, I'm not talking about, you know, this isn't people who, you know, smoke cannabis every day, you know, multiple times a day. It's not that group probably is, is less, um, sent uh, conscious, conscious as far as, you know, not having the topical product, not smell like cannabis probably doesn't matter to them as much, but for the majority of our customers, um, 
they they do want to to not advertise that that they're using cannabis. Absolutely, you know, absolutely. Um, now, do you find that what's your biggest base of people? Do you find that a lot of men do use your product? Actually, yes, I'm surprised by that often. Um, yeah. But yeah, a lot. Uh, when I look at you know, I look at the online sales that come in. Um, so I know a lot more about the customer in, in the CBD space than I do in, in the cannabis space because, you know, we, we can sell direct in CBD. We can't sell direct in, you know, legalized and sorry, regulated cannabis. Right. right. So, um, what we find is, um, uh, it seems about 60, 40, uh, women to, to men and, uh, age range, you know, 40 plus for the most part. That said, we also get, you know, younger people buying the products for their elders, you know, mm -hmm. older um, relatives as well. Got to get my son to buy me some stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, man. You said that 40 and above. I think that's when the arthritis starts to, you know. Right. Yeah. I've, I've got it in the toe. <laughs> well, it sounds like you've had some issues with health over the years. And it sounds like cannabis has kind of been really a good tool for you. Um, oh, absolutely. Have you, my go-to. Yeah. Do you use anything else? I don't want to get too sidetracked, but is there anything else that you use plant-based that helps with any kind of um, health issues? Yeah, for sure. I I, um, I take some supplements, Gaia herbs. Um, I take a, a turmeric. Um, and I also take, um, what is the other one? Uh, adrenal health, which is really, it's been really great for balancing out mood and, oh. and, and uh, yeah, just, is that over the counter? Good. Is that something you can yeah. use? Oh, great. Yeah. I'll have to look at that. Now the turmeric, I, or turmeric, I'm not sure how you say it properly, but I've had some feedback on people saying that it actually um, messes with CBD receptors or your cannabinoid receptors. Um, is that something you've heard about? Um, I haven't researched that. Now I'm going to. <laughs> now, you've got, now you've got me researching two things. I know. If anything, you'll Which go I'm away. Which I'm excited about. Yeah. Thank if, you. If anything, you'll go away with a, a little extra that today. Um, yeah, I've actually done some research because of my um, arthritis and turmeric is good for arthritis. Um, yeah. But on the flip, I try to use a lot of uh, cannabis based uh, topicals uh, like yours to um, work with that. So I have uh, held back from using turmeric, um, because of that, because apparently it has something it, it can affect um, the, the receptors. Now I don't have any personal, you know, experience with it, so I can't, this is all, you know, speculative, but. Well, topically it shouldn't. Right. It. Right. Because I'm talking receptors in the brain. Yeah. Um, internally, I, I'll have to look into the internal, uh, correlation there and see, you know, what, what it means. Right. The research, um, the research I had found was basically that if you consume cannabis in terms of like, um, combustion, if you smoke cannabis, vaporized yeah. cannabis, that turmeric can affect the receptors that, um, that will block that high. But I don't, I don't have anything. I don't know of anything as far as topicals or anything like that, but I just thought I'd bring it up because yeah. a lot of older people do use the turmeric for, for arthritis and for other things. Right. And so, um, when people ask me, well, I've heard that it, you know, affects, um, CBD receptors, this and that I thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to look into it for sure. Um, I think that, uh, I mean, so for topically applied, uh, CBD, <clears throat> you're actually working with a, a number of different receptors that have nothing to do with the ECS as far as, I mean, maybe they could get rolled into ECS, but they're not CB1 or CB receptor sites, right? It's, um, we're literally dealing with, uh, TRPV receptor site, um, depending on whether or not you use, you know, menthol or, or mint, um, essential oils as well. Then you're also bringing in the TRPM8 receptor site. And, uh, you're also, um, working with a couple of enzymes that, uh, are found in the skin that get, that are that their job is to regulate infl inflammation and those are PPA or gamma and TNF alpha. So, um, you're definitely hit. We're definitely hitting from different receptors than, than the traditional ECS when Absolutely. applying topical CBD. 
Absolutely. And I'm not a chemist. I don't know the method of action on this one, but I can tell you that like concentrated, um, like we're talking about concentrates that you use in your topicals, concentrates themselves, um, they have a profound numbing effect just in and of themselves. Um, right. I've had, I've used, I'll say unintentionally, I've used concentrates topically. <laughs> That's a crazy story. Uh, and found that it's very, it sounds like a crazy story. I, uh, in my college days, I got pulled over with four, four grams of concentrate and I thought it was better to eat it than it was to get caught with it. <laughs> oh boy. Needless to say, my mouth and my throat were really, really numb for uh -huh. at least five or six hours. <laughs> right. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very numb, like numb to the point of like it, I, I, very similar to if you went to the dentist wow or you know you can't that's like yeah and that, it was only about four grams though which was quite a bit but that, that's a lot to eat yeah well no high of course because it wasn't decarbed but uh yeah it was lucky it wasn't decarbed <laughs> yes yes although i do well i i, I can handle like um over because i've done a lot of um research on myself with top or uh with edibles and you know, four or 500 milligrams is fine. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, so as soon as, as soon as they started the new testing, like back in six, end of 16, um, I found that I used to think I could do 50 to hundred milligrams. Um, but, but really my sweet spot is 15 to 20. <laughs> oh, well see, I, I am jealous of people like you because, uh, for me, I have to hit at least, you know, 150 milligrams to maybe start having my, you know, some sort of feelings. Um, I can tell you this, a couple hundred milligrams, 250 milligrams is great for pain, you know, for me. But uh, I really don't start doing the recreational side of things until about 400, 500 milligrams. So, unfortunately, oh, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be nice because, you know, you buy those little edibles and there's like a little gummy and it has 10 servings. <laughs> Right. No, it's not 10 servings. It's one. <laughs> yeah. You're eating two. <laughs> now for people, one big question I get to with topicals is if they do the THCA or the THC slash CBD ratios, are they going to be able to pass drug tests? So I can't make any claims as far as this goes. I know um, you're going to say that. <laughs> because I'm not responsible yes. for, I, I, I can't be responsible for what people do. They don't say that they do. Does that make sense? Yes. I could rephrase so, that. Do you have any knowledge of anyone not passing a drug test from topicals? Um, I've read a number of articles uh, on the subject and nobody's willing to say absolutely not uh, right. know, that, that it, it doesn't pass the blood brain barrier. Also, a lot of topical makers are actually making transdermal products um, and not labeling as such. So, so if it's transdermal, then then it definitely will enter the bloodstream. Well, let's, um, be, let's be clear about that. So there is a different, that is a differentiating um, thing there. Like there's, there's just topicals and then there's the, that version, the. Yeah. Then the transdermal, yeah, right? The transdermal. So, um, right. But I've even seen, I've seen a cream on the market uh, or a lotion that didn't call out that it was transdermal, but if you look at the ingredients list, it has ingredients to make it transdermal. So, so you we, have to be careful about that. Right. How do you protect yourself from that? Um, when you buy from trusted companies like ours. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. um, we, we make topical products. That said, um, back in the very beginning, I, well, this is about 2008, um, I had an elder who had never used cannabis except uh, except through my topical products, and I actually gave her a drug like I, I gave her a jar of oil and asked her to use it um, at least three times a day for the course of three months, and then we gave her a drug test. And um, now it was an over the counter, so it wasn't like a you know an expensive like FBI one, <laughs> right? But it, she did. Uh, she did not test positive for anything. I imagine so, there's so many variables too. Like there's different levels of drug testing. Some are just little dipsticks. Some are blood. Right. I mean, there's so many variables there, but. Um, yeah. And at, 
again, I've, I've read a number of articles from uh, experts in this field, so doctors and, and scientists, and um, most say that it, actually all of them are saying that, you know, it probably not is the answer. So it, you're probably fine, right. but it is, but it is possible. Sure. Sure. Something to think about for sure. What's your feeling on people using cannabis, um, and in the workplace? You mean if they're not using it at work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of like cannabis in the workplace, it's a big concern. Like we're talking about topicals. Am I going to be able to pass a drug test? Well, I, I think as long as people aren't impaired at work, um, and aren't using, you know, cannabis at work, I think it's fine. Sure. Sure. They should I mean, be able to use topicals at work, though. <laughs> we should be able to use topicals at work, for sure. <laughs> That's great. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. It's become a market where consumers have to be educated, which is true across the board, right? I mean, yeah. there's so many different marketing angles to trick you into things. It's You have to be really educated to make smart choices. And I think cannabis has yeah. gotten there now. So um, the CBD world, I mean, there's, there's over 1,700 CBD companies out there right now, right? Almost and, overnight. <laughs> yeah, almost like in, in, in the last you know two years, right? And um, that is is pretty uh, scary to me in a lot of ways. I'll be honest. Um, one of the reasons is because you know, as as you know, I'm, I'm certain the cannabis plant and the, the hemp plant, right, which is the same thing, um, is what's called a bioaccumulator or a bioremediator. Correct. Right. So, um, like I would never use CBD from Canada because Canadian soil has uh, high levels of heavy metals in it. Right. And whatever, whenever you take a hemp plant and, and extract it, you're concentrating everything that's in the plant, not just the cannabinoid. Right. So, um, I think there's a lot of companies out there that are using uh, cheap, really inexpensive, and I'll, I'll be frank, cheap uh, Chinese CBD, um, and that's going to be full of heavy metals and toxins from all the manufacturing that's going on there, as well as probably pesticides. Um, and I think uh, if people are going to be using CBD products, it's really important to know the source of that hemp. Right, which is why we're so transparent about um, partnering with East Fork uh, for our, our CBD products, um, or for our CBD source in general. Which um, just to let people know, you know, being in Oregon here, it, this is a great place. W- what you're doing is is working with a good good place. So just so people out there know that we have a lot of listeners across the world, and so this East Fork is definitely a high high quality. Yes, absolutely high quality, and. I think they just got uh, Sun and Earth certified for their cannabis farm, and their um, hemp farm is uh, also USDA certified organic as well, which is really important. Um, and they're just really good players in the industry. They um, they take good care of their employees. They uh, are dedicated to uh, social and um, environmental sustainability and responsibility. Um, we just, they're just a joy to work with. So we, you know, shout out to East Fork. Um, well, absolutely. And just keep in mind that for people out there, we're talking about a terroir. You can't get nearly anywhere in the world. Southern Oregon is one of the best places for, well, we'll just say Oregon, or we'll even say Pacific Northwest is one of the best places for cannabis. So yes, indeed. And Southern Oregon specifically for, especially for cannabis. Absolutely. So you're, I would, I would be willing to say that you're probably getting one of the finest, most premium hemp products or CBD products, I should say, out there Yeah, um, in terms of worldwide. Yes, for sure. Now, something else that really sets us apart from the other uh, CBD companies on the market is that we test not only the CBD extract, but um, every finished batch of product uh, for, and and the lab comes to us and takes two samples of everything um, in order to, to do these tests. Um, so we're testing to make sure that the product is homogenous throughout the batch. We're testing for potency. We're testing for um, heavy metals. We're testing for pesticides. We're testing for residual solvents um, and uh, microbiological activity, including yeast, mold, etc. Oh wow! Gosh. Yeah. I wish we could find people yeah. that would do that with actual flour. <laughs> I don't right? think everybody tests all that for flour. <laughs> Well, that's that's part of what's so awesome about East Fork is they 
they test for those things. That's awesome. On, on uh, the extract as well. So for us. That's great. That's great. I, but anyway, it, it, I think it's just important to have that level of transparency and that level of cleanliness um, in the products as well. Let's start with clean ingredients and make you know the best products you possibly can with the highest quality ingredients. And even when I source the other ingredients uh, for, for the products, I, I am sourcing based on that criteria as well. Absolutely. And I think that this is a key point here is the transparency because I can... About a month ago, I went into a Safeway locally here and I found a full spectrum isolate. <laughs> this goes back. Really? Yes, I did. It was a right. Full spectrum isolate. Yeah. So okay. I, 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 that, I took. That's I, an oxymoron. Is it? Yeah, I think it is. Uh, well, it depends on your definition of full spectrum, right? So uh, again, it's a marketing ploy and mm -hmm. it goes back to education. You don't really have a full spectrum isolate. So these people that just walk into Safeway and think they're going to buy a miracle drug off the shelf, it's very unfortunate because none, yeah. of those none of those products have testing. None of those products have anything to back except for a bunch of words on a box. And so right. uh, very scary, like you point out. Um, and so these yeah, types definitely. of, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Empower is one of those products, one of those companies that has um, not only the transparency, like you said, but you just got the proof to back it. You've got, you know, a product that works. So. Indeed. And one thing also that, um, sets apart with that is we actually put a testing sticker on our mainstream products. So on our CBD products, they're out in the world in, you know, regular stores. Um, we have a QR code and we also have a testing sticker so that they know exactly what the potency of that product is. That's um, awesome. And batch numbers. And expiration dates. Imagine that. And you know what? When you start looking at a lot of those other companies, they don't have those things and oh, they should. Absolutely zero and absolutely correct. They should have those uh, numbers on there. And that is awesome. I didn't actually know that. I mean, I know yeah, that, yeah that, not on the CBD. I know that what you have on the THC side, cause that's what we deal with, but I didn't realize that across the CBD board. Yep. Yeah. I took, I took the same principles from you know, the regulated cannabis market and applied them to the CBD, the non-regulated CBD market, um, but then upped it um, as far as the different kinds of tests I'm testing for, et cetera. Yeah. Have you run any problems with your products as far as being, you know, shipping them and stuff? Um, not that you would, but... Um, yeah, everything's been fine. Excellent, excellent, excellent. That's great. Yeah, like we, we won't the states that... that are, are no CBD. Well, no, know? no, no. I get that. I get that. I just mean, even sometimes with CBD, it's, it's kind of that open gray area right now with the, with mailing stuff that sometimes people, get oh, yeah. some people don't. USPS, um, has requirements and we adhere to those requirements sure. in in our shipping processes. So awesome. I knock on wood, everything's been fine. That's great. That's great. Now you guys are up in Northern Oregon. Are you guys up in Portland? Is that where you guys are based out of? Yeah, we're, we're just outside of Portland in Clackamas, Oregon. So I've got a lovely view of Mount Hood. That's great. That's awesome. I can see the back view, but it's, there's no mountains. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. All right. Mountains in front. Yeah. Well, I really, really appreciate this so much. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, being an Oregon based cannabis podcast, we're very proud to have people like you part of this culture we're proud to have you in oregon so please keep doing the great work that you're doing oh thank you so much i'm higher peaks and you've just listened to the dirt show if you like this episode please like share comment and go to organrooted.com where you can subscribe to us on your favorite platform like itunes pandora or spotify also check us out on our youtube for videos and ig facebook and twitter for all our updates thank you for listening
Thank you.